Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday. So make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspective. Hello, hello, Miss Keegan. Hello, hello. That was a much more high energy hello than I was expecting from you. <laughs> you were just going on about how like you're so tired right now. <laughs> I'm exhausted. That was like pushing it a little bit. You can tell when I'm tired when I have this like lower register kind of vocal oh, yeah. fry Chest thing voice. going on. Mm-hmm. Yes. Although I feel like it's a better voice for podcasting in general if I were to speak in this like lower register. So listeners, let you let me know. Which you Madigan know, do you prefer? <laughs> it's strange. Like, I feel like, you know, I have two podcasts and I feel like my voice is very different depending on which podcast I'm on. Like, well, my I voice think- is much more chesty in this podcast than it is for the other one. Well, I feel like the content can be yes. very, very different. It's rare for us to get like a knee slapping good time going on a lot of the topics that we talk about. Right. So you're high decibels. Generally. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? Unless we're getting like really upset about something. You know what True. I mean? It's typically not going to be so screechy. Um, so that totally makes sense to me. I think that when you're talking about something more serious, your voice gets more serious. Yeah, it's an NPR situation. I was literally just going to say NPR. Hi, and welcome to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. Although, you know, I really feel like my voice just isn't suited for NPR even at its best like it's just not like unless I put on the voice like no there's no there's no way that NPR would ever want me on their show their listeners would be like who is that banshee (laughs) what is she doing um we like banshees on this podcast here we love a good banshee we really really do um but Just a disclaimer, we are recording remotely again because apparently everyone and their mother has Omicron and Omicron officially hates Keegan and I, which is great. Which is fantastic, but we'd like to keep it that way. My friend... I said that at work, my friend Tyler was like, yeah, I heard it talking shit about you earlier. And I was Honestly, like, what? <laughs> I am beginning to think that maybe it's harboring some kind of grudge against me, COVID, because yeah. like, not to brag, but like to have gone this long and not gotten it is kind of uh, wild. Yeah, especially when like everybody has pretty it right now. much everyone that I work with has had like I've had so many emails sent to me like you worked with someone that had COVID you should get tested and like I've gotten tested so many times it's always negative I'm like I am the luckiest motherfucker alive yeah I mean granted so my friend who I saw last weekend 
he texted us, everybody, you know, who he was with last weekend and like let us all know that he's tested positive for COVID. And I guess his symptoms, at least for like the first two days, were pretty like severe. Like he had like mm. flu like symptoms. Right. Um, and so I tested here at home and it was negative. But I still wanted to just like reach out to you because I know you also tested negative, but there's been a lot of talk about like the efficacy of those at home tests. And I just didn't want to risk it in case. Right. Well, you know? and like, this is a very like newsworthy thing. I don't have any notes on it, but it is so frustrating that the need for these tests is rising so much again. But the at home tests are really all that we have as ready available options because the testing sites just aren't getting enough people in. Like people are kind of like having to go on their own devices to make sure that they're positive or yeah, negative. Or or they're getting too many people. Like in New York, that was hit really, really hard by Omicron. People were waiting in lines at testing sites for hours because a lot of them had shut down. Like there weren't as many yeah. testing sites and there were well, a, like that a surge of even... people who needed it. That doesn't even seem safe to me. Like, if I thought I had COVID, I'd be like, I need to stay home. Like, I shouldn't be with all these people even, like, waiting in line at a test site. But, yeah, it's definitely best to be safe rather than sorry. I have literally only been going to work and coming home. So, I mean, not like I have any energy for anything otherwise. But that's all I've been doing. So I think it's best for us to just, you know, keep it careful while we can. Agree, agree. All right, should we jump into some news stories for this week? I feel that we should. Okay, uh, I can go ahead and get us started. Why uh, don't you? I will. So Prince Andrew recently had to give up his military titles as his sexual abuse case proceeds. So he tried mm. to halt this case. Um, he tried to prevent it from going to trial and was unsuccessful. So Queen Elizabeth II, his mother, has revoked his military mummy. associations. Mummy has revoked his military associations and royal patronages. Damn. And it's a day after a federal judge in New York refused to dismiss a sexual abuse lawsuit by a woman who um, had claimed that he that he assaulted her. Right. Yeah. So you've watched all the crown, right? Yes. It's really funny to me how they've portrayed the relationship between Prince Andrew and Queen Elizabeth. And it's funny because, like, you know, I was such a royal family dummy before watching The Crown. So, like, I don't really know all the ins and outs of the relationships and stuff except for what I've seen. But I found it interesting to show him as being this, like, almost a little, like, mommy's boy, very privileged, can do no wrong kind of, like, son in her eyes. So right. it is very, like, ooh, like, mommy took away your... Your right. And I she, she told him herself as well. And that's the way that their relationship has always been reported on as well. Like, I know that The Crown is not a documentary, right? Like, we right, know right. that. I just I feel like our our English listeners are probably screaming into yes. their headphones right now. Which is why I said I'm a royal family dummy. Like, I literally only know shit like from right. the ground. <laughs> but I do know that that is how the like tabloids and the news media has always reported their relationship that Prince Andrew is Queen Elizabeth's favorite child. Yeah. So 
the fact that she had to go to him personally, I can't even imagine having watched The Crown, if any of that is true, like the way that that stuff kind of operates. I can't imagine the level of crisis mode Buckingham Palace must be feeling right now. Like Absolute crisis for a really long time. But I think that now that they're seeing that there's really no sleeping list under the rug, it's like, fuck, like we got to make some serious damage control ASAP. Right, yeah. I mean, and this all comes, of course, because he was friends with Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell. He had a close personal relationship with them. And so he is being sued now by Virginia Roberts Jufri, who is a 38-year-old woman who alleges that Andrew raped and sexually assaulted her in New York in 2001 when she was 17. So she claims that Andrew's friend, Jeffrey Epstein, trafficked her to him and that the prince knew not only her age, but also that she was being trafficked to him like she was being taken across um, state lines and actually you know across international lines as well right for prince andrew for prince andrew yes and there is a picture of the two of them together that was kind of the big thing that blew up with prince andrew and maxwell is also in this photograph yeah it's pretty Um, pretty famous picture now right yeah and it's pretty damning So he had already been largely banished from public life following that picture surfacing, but he continued to hold on to a series of honorary military titles, which aroused a lot of protests throughout England and uh, with former members of those military units for good reason, given the legal charges that were against him. Buckingham Palace has also said Andrew, who is the Duke of York, is no longer allowed to use his royal highness in any official capacity, which Mm. is kind of amazing that it took this long, though. It is. They had decided that Prince Harry could no longer use that title when he withdrew from his royal duties to move to the United States. So Prince Harry had to give up that title, but Prince Andrew, who had all of these, like, yeah, who's a but sex honestly, criminal. Like I said, I feel like they were kind of just, like, waiting it out to see if this was going to stick. And I feel like now that they're realizing that there's, like, no backing out of the situation, they're having to do some damage control and making up for things. Because I think that's why. Like, it was so obvious. Like, Harry left, he's gone. We're relinquishing all of his titles. But I think for Prince Andrew, like, he's still around. So they're like, well, maybe, maybe this will go away. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of how I perceive all of that. Right. Yeah. It's an unprecedented situation for a senior British royal. So I'm certain that Queen Elizabeth is pissed. I'm sure that Buckingham Palace is panicking. It is going to send her to a to her grave. No, she's hanging on. She does not want to give Charles that crown. She is hanging on for life. You know what I mean? Fuck no. So to talk a little bit about the charges against Prince Andrew, his accuser, Virginia Jufri, brought her case under the Child Victims Act, a state law enacted in New York in 2019, which expanded the statute of limitations in child sex abuse cases to give survivors more opportunities to seek justice. An attorney for Jufri told CNN in August that filing the civil case was to show, quote, all perpetrators of abuse should be held accountable. She is seeking damages in an amount to be determined at trial, as well as attorney's fees and other uh, relief, as the court may deem just and proper, according to the lawsuit. 
In his ruling, the judge, Lewis Kaplan, wrote that Jufri's complaint is neither unintelligible nor vague nor ambiguous. It alleges discrete incidents of sexual abuse in particular circumstances at three identifiable locations. It identifies to whom it attributes that sexual abuse. Because Prince Andrew was basically trying to get everything thrown out, saying, like, it's not clear enough. Like, what she's alleging isn't clear enough. There's too much ambiguity. Right. And the judge is like, no, it's pretty no, it's clear. No, it's super clear. Yeah, they're, and they're making it very clear on how clear it is. <laughs> right. And she says that the assaults happened in London, New York, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. And, again, that Andrew was aware that she was a minor at the time. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Andrew is denying the claims. He has consistently told the BBC, quote, it didn't happen. I can absolutely categorically tell you it never happened. I have no recollection of ever meeting this lady. None whatsoever. Yet you're in a photo together. Okay, whatever. What frickin' ever. Mm -hmm. Hello, my name is Alison Larkin. And I'm a writer, comedian, and narrator and host of THE Jane Austen Podcast. This podcast brings Jane Austen's stories to the 21st century, along with commentary from me and conversations with fascinating people who all share a love of Jane Austen. And of course, we had to start with none other than Pride and Prejudice. So join me as we embark on a journey through some of the most wonderful stories I know. The Jane Austen Podcast with Alison Larkin is available wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. Well, we're going to stay in the UK. This was actually a listener suggestion that we talk about this. It is the Molly May controversy. So this was quite the education for me because I am not a watcher of Love Island. I don't really... Me neither. You know, like, I don't really know this world. And it also has to do with the fact that she's an influencer. And, like, I don't really follow influencers. I don't really know these people very well. But she is allegedly very prominent in the influencer circuit. And she already had, like, a pretty good following before she went on to the UK version of Love Island in 2019. Since then, she has gone into many different enterprises, including her fake tan brand, which I said, ew, and collections with other beauty brands. Most recently, she signed on as creative director for fast fashion brand Pretty Little Thing in a rumored seven-figure deal. So there's a little bit of background on this Molly Bay person. She's incredibly popular. She's got, you know, all her fake tanned eggs in many a basket. She's this little, like, entrepreneur, you know? So this week, Mm -hmm. a a clip from a interview that she did in December on the podcast, The Diary of a CEO, sparked controversy, where in the clip, she used the age-old line, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. Okay, okay, And I knew as soon as I was going to say this, I was like, this is perfect, because I know Keegan is going to have a million things 
to say about this. It's, <laughs> it's simply not true. You know, right. and I feel like it really feeds this very toxic mentality that a lot of millennials have been saddled with this like rise and grind hustle culture exactly. mentality that is incredibly unhealthy. I mean, I remember whenever I was feeding myself a lot of of that and I thought it was inspirational. Right. That whole like you have the same hours in the day as Beyonce was right. like, very popular at the time. Yeah. And I, I thought that that was inspirational but the truth is that's that's not true because right. Beyonce doesn't have to fix her own meals or drive herself places exactly you know yes. there it's is not a, the same yeah there's a distinct difference between the period of time given to each person and how you can actually spend that time so those who can afford for childcare, cleaners and assistants are not only paying for support but for freedom to use their times as they please and boy do I know this as a nanny yes. when I'm literally mm-hmm. taking care of everything in their lives so that they can just do the thing that they're passionate about and the thing that they love and it's just for the person for the help is incredibly infuriating but I I mean like about that all the time now especially because when you have extracurricular activities hobbies um, or things that you are hoping to pivot into a career such as like podcasting or acting or or really anything like that um, and you also have a full-time job you realize like how much more you could get done in the thing you're passionate about if you weren't spending minimum of nine hours a day working a job in order yeah, to just to make survive. Money. Right. Yeah, exactly. It, and I think that the majority of us can relate to that feeling of having a dream or having something that we really want to be doing, but just feeling like we're just kind of putting in our time and doing what we have to do in order to survive in the world. You know what I mean? It's all too common these days. There was a quote from a Refinery29 article that puts it really well, where they said, if we all have the same amount of time and all that's holding us back from our goals is not working hard enough, then believing in the power of the hustle to get you to your goals gives you a feeling of control. Yes. And I think that's a really good point because when you hear, you were just saying that when you hear that you have the same hours in a day as Beyonce, there is something inspirational about that. And that's something that feels like it can give you control where really we are all probably feeling like we have a lack of control over our time, but thinking that we do is really reassuring to all of us. Right. Or like if we could do just X, Y, Z, if we could become that girl, I know that that's like a really popular, but also toxic trend on TikTok that like how I became that girl, right? The girl that like wakes up at 5 a.m. every day and makes her bed and goes for a run and makes a green smoothie and like does all of the things. (laughs) And there's nothing wrong with like, no, there's nothing wrong to do. There's nothing wrong with it I just when I try to think of my myself doing that I'm like that doesn't sound like a life that I want to live right I mean and it's different for everyone to me like I actually do find the idea of that to be aspirational but the problem is that when you try to apply that to your life when you have other things and other responsibilities you have to do what's going to happen is you are going to burn yourself out like you're gonna burn yourself out and I also think that this mentality I know that this person is English, but this mentality is very, very American. That right. like you just put your nose to the, the hustle mentality. You yeah. work hard. Everybody has the same opportunities as everybody else. You work hard just, at your day job and then you work hard at your side hustle. And then eventually everything, you know, it's just it really is. This it's importance. not true. It's not. And there is this crazy importance on spending every hour of the day on work where I feel like it is so important to always discuss 
that you need variety in your life. Your life can't, and that's why I said gross, because to me it's like, I don't want to live my life surrounded by the hustle. Like, I also want to enjoy my life. Yes. You know what I mean? And I think that's the thing that it makes people feel bad when they want to just sit and enjoy their life a little bit. Instead, they feel guilty because they're not doing X, Y, Z to achieve whatever. And and the truth of it is, like, this person has a lot of advantages that other people wouldn't have. This person got to where they're at. I'm not going to say that, you know, it wasn't all luck because sure, maybe they applied themselves in a certain way. Maybe they're incredibly entertaining, right? Like there are other attributes that maybe they have that allowed them to be as successful as they are. And I don't want to take those things away from them. However, a lot of it, a lot of it. And I think you and I know this living in Los Angeles, having like tried our hand at the entertainment industry, a lot of it is luck a ton of it is luck um and then and timing and timing and maybe not for her but I would say for probably 90 percent or more of people in these industries a lot of it is wealth money it's 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 the money you already have yeah mm -hmm. there was actually so there's someone on tiktok who's still an actor. He's like really, really, he's actually really big now. If I were to say his name, you would know exactly who I'm talking about. But he went to our school and he was like known for being a very, very dedicated student, working really hard. He's a really nice guy. Like I always really liked this guy. And then when, um, I almost said TikTok, when Vine became a thing, he like blew the fuck up. And then he was in movies and on Comedy Central and he's like, everywhere and I was like oh my gosh like this is amazing he just like went to my school and now he's like doing all this cool stuff well I was talking to a classmate of mine that I was still going to school with at the time and they were like oh he comes from like extreme wealth extreme wealth like he's able to get like one he doesn't need to have a job two he's able to afford all the best equipment and you know he's able to surround himself with that sort of life that is preparing him to be successful. So while in my head I'm seeing like, oh, he's just this guy that went to our like little film school and then he made it big on Vine and now he's in like blockbuster movies. I'm like, this is amazing. But really there was so much already set up for him beforehand that's yeah, different than you and I. You absolutely. Know? I mean, there is a guy on TikTok who does a series called Self Made is a Myth. Yeah, he kind of like breaks down all of these very famous, very popular, very successful um, artists, a lot of the time music artists, and kind of breaks down like what their life was like growing up. And most of them have come from extreme, extreme wealth. I mean, think about Taylor Swift, like her dad bought Mm -hmm. big machine records. And that's how she got her first record deal. Right. And and it's not negating the fact that these people are very talented. Like I think that Taylor Swift is an incredible lyricist. Yeah. But also, you know, it, it is deceptive to the rest of us whenever you're not honest about the fact that you came from a lot of money like it's that a is lot one of false thing, hope yeah it's one thing I respect Nick Kroll for because Nick Kroll comes from like obscene wealth as well he's a comedian uh-huh. um but he's very really honest. Nick Kroll is a comedian well we have listen there are probably some listeners we have who don't know who Nick Kroll is wow immediately Start watching Big Mouth. I fucking love that show. Yes. But I mean, and again, he's very funny and he's very talented, but he is always very honest in interviews about the fact that he had a massive leg up um, because he came from a certain amount of wealth. Right. And it's not to say that you can't be successful 
if you don't come from an obscene amount of wealth. Like you can be successful, but I think that we need to really remove this idea that everyone is on exactly the same playing field and it's talent that's going to make you successful. Right. Right. Like, cause that's not, not the case. And I just, I hate it when people say things like this. I think it's so discouraging to, um, younger generations for people who are just getting started to hear that uh, it makes people push themselves past a healthy point in terms of working themselves to death. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And and like I said earlier, it's also not creating space for variety in your life. And that is to me what's going to make your life fulfilling because yes, like work and you know that is so important and it's also important to you know hopefully be passionate and love what you do in that but it's also so important to enjoy the little simple things in life you know it's not always about how successful you are in your career but about how successful you are in your relationships and in taking care of yourself and all these other things so I think that also remembering to have balance in your work and personal life is so important Yeah. And also ask yourself, you know, that like, I'll sleep when I'm dead mentality or I'll relax when I'm successful mentality. Like these, these habits that we build up for ourselves, they don't just go away when we become quote unquote successful, right? Because like when you become successful, like you've spent your entire life striving for something. Are you going to feel fulfilled when you get to that like level of success that you've well, been no, striving for? Well, no, and then I for, I don't you know? think that with people who have that level of like to me I see that as a lot of like perfectionism. I don't think that you can ever be satisfied with your level of success. I think there's always going to be that next thing or that next milestone that you could be reaching, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. When are you going to be satisfied? I don't know. Maybe never. Well, I I really I'm sure, I hope this is also on your notes because I would love to chat with you about Probably this. Probably not, but go ahead. Okay, well, you sent this to me earlier and it is a more positive thing, but I wanted to mention that there will be a quarter depicting Maya Angelou floating around very, very soon. It's part of the American Women Quarters program, which was formed to reimagine the way we honor American heroes in our currency by creating a series of circulating quarters starting this year, and running through 2025, and I want to collect them all. So far, there is Maya Angelou. They will also be selecting Sally Ride, the first American woman in space, Wilma Mankiller, what a goddamn name. We love it. Right? Who was the first woman elected chief of the Cherokee Nation, Adelina Otero Warren, a voting rights activist and first woman superintendent of public schools in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and one that we know and love, Anna Mae Wong, who was one of the first Chinese-American film stars. So there will be... um, you know, throughout the next three years, these newly minted quarters floating around. Yeah, and I do love it. Like, I understand there's a lot of um, criticism kind of around this because right. it can feel like a very performative hollow gesture, right? Like, to put right. Maya Angelou on a quarter rather than actually, like, addressing structural racism, systemic racism that exists within our society can feel like a empty gesture. And I completely understand that and agree with it. Like, right. I do. I, these things... Um, should happen in tandem with actual real change that benefits women and people of color, like definitely. But I do also think it is great to see not just old white guys 
on something as as everyday use whatever you whatever word yes, you want to call exactly yeah yeah yeah, what yeah i was trying to say but that's yes, so yes. common that we see every single day yeah mm-hmm. well actually part of one of the members of the awq project believes with you so barbara lee uh wrote this opinion piece uh for cnn and that's where i got a lot of this information and she says herself that while symbolism is important it's just one of the many ways we have to adequately acknowledge and respect the contributions of women and she finished the piece with a maya Angelou quote saying be certain that you do not die without having done something wonderful for humanity so she's admitting herself that it's like this is one small way that we can remind you all and acknowledge these people but we are well aware that this is only symbolism it does have to take it one step further in right. order for there to be actual change but I think that there is something really special about especially for the younger generation seeing Again, representation is important. Yes. Yeah. Seeing someone that looks like them on our currency or having it be someone new that they can learn about because they're seeing it so often and have that be a spark for change. You know, it's about what we add to the symbolism that's going to make it important. Right. And a spark for interest. And so yes. I, I do like it. I'm excited to see them. Um Absolutely. Okay, I'm going to get this in really quickly just because I think it's kind of funny and I think that you will also think it's funny. So We'll see. (laughs) There's an anti-COVID-19 vaccine police leader. His name is Christopher Key. He wears this homemade uniform and badge. It looks terrible. Like It genuinely looks like a party city. Mm -hmm. So he's... Yes, I do have... I'm raising my hand. I have a question. He's anti-COVID? Yes. Well, he is an anti-vaccine like person. Okay, he's an anti-vaxxer. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. sorry. I just I was confused as to whether he was like on our side or in the dark no, side. No, I oh, no. I need to figure no. it out. Okay, okay, no. okay. And what he's wearing, it looks like a party city like cop costume almost, but it says vaccine police and he has uh. like a badge. And he has been on like a cross country road trip uh, with a high capacity firearm. And <gasps> he has been harassing state officials over. Yeah, vaccines. this sounds hilarious, Keegan. <laughs> I'm not there yet. You got to be patient. You're jumping the gun. Um, he has been harassing state officials over vaccines, masks and mandates and has a new idea, a new conspiracy theory for his anti-vax followers to use to cure themselves of COVID-19. And that is to drink their own urine. (gasps) So the antidote, this is what he said, quote. Oh, he knows that he's just pulling people's legs. I don't think so. But I mean, like, how, like, devilish would that be? It'd be like, I'm going to make everyone drink their own pee. I mean, it would be pretty funny, but I don't think so. Yo, is he drinking his own pee? Yes. And he said he's been doing it for years. He's been (gasps) doing urine therapy for years. And he said, quote, the antidote that we have seen now, and we have tons and tons of research, that's what he says, is urine therapy. And he says, okay, and I know a lot of you, I know to a lot of you this sounds crazy, but guys, God's given us everything we need. (laughs) thanks god mm -hmm. he goes on to say this has been around for centuries when i tell you this please take it with a grain of salt (laughs) what Mm -hmm. and then he said now drink urine this vaccine is the worst bioweapon i have ever seen 
And then he concluded with, I drink my own urine. (laughs) So when the Daily Beast reached out to him for a comment, he doubled down on what he calls urine therapy and rallied against foolish people who took the COVID-19 vaccine. I mean, hey, at least I'm not drinking my own piss on the daily. And also, he said, because I watched the video and it is a wild video to watch. He said that he's been doing this for years. And I'm like, for what? Like, what were you? There must be other reasons for urine therapy. (laughs) Yeah, I I have no idea. I've heard of people drinking their pee. I mean, like, I I know that it's like a concept. I don't understand it. But it doesn't make sense. Like Like, your urine is waste. Why would you put it back in your body? Exactly. We are expelling it from our bodies for a reason. It's not what we need in our bodies. But I've heard people make the uh, argument about urine being like so pure or whatever. I don't know. But I've heard arguments made. But the fact that he's now adapted into like a COVID thing is... Yeah, pretty it's, outrageous. It's very interesting. I don't know if you've seen the movie Don't Look Up yet, but you I haven't seen it yet, and I really it. want to. It's so good, but this just makes me think of that. Like what we have seen during this pandemic, like the things people are willing to do, are willing to put in their bodies yeah. to avoid a highly like an effective and safe vaccine. Yeah, you know ivermectin that's meant for livestock and drinking your own oh, urine. And- yeah, Max knows someone who's taking a like off-brand horse dewormer right now. Yeah, yeah. Yes, off-brand ivermectin. Like it is so just bad, so strange and wild like it feels like we're living in idiocracy it really really does but anyway i just thought i would bring that up that's the next step anti-vaxxers are on their way to drinking their own urine because like some I feel like quack con man told them to I feel like this is gonna end well no all right. Well, I think that's all we got for you today. Yes. Thank you so much to the listener who reached out to us with that suggestion. It was wonderful. So if anybody else has anything that they want us to cover on a news episode, please reach out to us via email or Instagram. You can reach us at our email at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or reach us on Instagram at angry neighborhood feminist. We have a Facebook business and group page. You can rate and review us on the business page and chat with the fellow listeners on on the group page. Also, if you have not left us a review, that is the absolute best way that you can show us your love and support. So leave us five stars and a quick sentence about why you enjoy the show. And last but not least, another reminder that we have merch for you all. Our holiday sweater only has a couple more weeks for it to be available. So if you want to have a holiday sweater for next year, jump on the opportunity now. You can get our merch via the link in our Instagram bio. Yep, that's it. All right. Thank you so much for listening. With all of that being said, we encourage you to rage on. Bye. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving God. And we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.